0: Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, President of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus
1: is Chris Long. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that has made us, and not we ourselves." We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and enter into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. That is Psalm 100, and we're going to talk today in a, past, a pastor's panel discussion about reopening the church on May 3rd. And uh, we're going to talk about what pastors and churches have been doing through the COVID-19 shutdown for the last two months almost now, and uh, finding a variety of ways and creative ways to gather the church together in the midst of social distancing and taking precautions about COVID-19. Now, of course, the numbers have been coming down, but as authorities tell us, there's going to be a little bit of uh, an up-and-down type of... um, Response to this, as we begin opening things back up, there will be concerns that the uh, infections may increase, and we're seeing that in other places. So it may be a little bit of a stutter step as the way we open things back up. But nevertheless, we're moving in that direction, and churches are finding ways to creatively gather and, of course, safeguard the elderly among them, and also those who are at most at risk with health conditions. With me on the phone is Pastor Frank Carl from Genoa Baptist Church of the Columbus area, also Pastor John Coates, and he also pastors in Columbus, and with us also is Pastor Phil Fulton, and he is from Union Hill Church in Adams County. Gentlemen, welcome to the program.
0: Thank you, Greg. Thank you. Greetings.
1: Well, Pastor uh, Frank, I want to go to you first. Of course, uh, when this all started and the governor made the announcements of social distancing and about uh, limiting crowd sizes, first it was... I think it was 150, and then down to 10. And then, of course, churches were realizing that, wow, we've got an issue here that we're going to have to address. The, the governor, of course, did not order the churches, but he gave strong guidance for social distancing that we are all in this together, as he said, to help lessen the curve of the infections uh, as COVID-19 was making its way through Ohio. Uh, you went to the governor and you had an idea. Tell us, our audience, what that was about.
2: Sure, Chris. I'm happy to, and thanks for having us on today. Uh, So um, I was raised on a farm in Tazewell County, Virginia, by a retired school teacher that taught eight grades in one room. You know, just like the story you heard about, the Little House on the Prairie days, only it was in the beginning of the 20th century. Uh, Though I'm not that old, but she was. And we only got three TV stations. And I had to go up on the hill and turn the antenna to get them. But every Sunday morning, she made me watch Oral Roberts. And every year, we got Oral Roberts and his family picture we put on the wall. And then we had to watch Robert Shuler, who had started a drive-in church service. And he would always start out with his arms out saying, this is the day the Lord has made. And when they said we couldn't meet in the building, for some reason, I went back to my childhood, and I thought about every Sunday morning that picture of saying, this is the day the Lord has made, and you see all these old 1960s cars sitting in his parking lot in Lemon Grove, California. So I asked the Governor DeWine, could we please have drive-in services? And we adopted as a theme, uh, come as you are, but stay in your car. <laughs> and And as we did that, he gave his blessing, and then his faith uh, lady, um, I can't think of her name right now, but she said, we would love to see other churches catch on with this. And, and so that's, that's how we started, and we were just amazed. The three local networks came out, the affiliates in Columbus, and then Fox News ran it all across the nation, and we started getting calls from, I bet, 20, 30 states. And then Time Magazine did a story, and then the Christian Post did two stories, And so we have been able to help a ton of churches start with drive-in services, and that's how it started, and it's been exciting.
1: Well, that's right, because uh, the other options, of course, were online or uh, conference calls, those kinds of things, or using Zoom, some of the technologies, and of course, a lot of our older folks, they are well, they don't have smartphones, and they're not uh, in tune to the Internet, and they're not not—they're not uh, versed on these apps that you use to uh, keep in touch. And so that was a challenge, as uh, a lot of our congregations were not able to be connected with. So the drive-in service was something that everybody understood. In fact, harken back to fun days, going to the old movie theater. So, uh, you know, it caught on like wildfire. And you know what? My wife's very... Yeah, sorry. Go well. I was just going to say that Pastor Frank, your idea did catch fire across the state. I've talked to a number of pastors on this program. They had uh, down in uh, Pastor Lord down there in Marietta. They had three churches come together in a big industrial park uh, parking lot, and they had all three services together. Three churches and uh, just had a grand time. And that was happening all around the state from your original idea. And so God really blessed that.
2: And in Gallia County, they rented the fairgrounds and churches came together. And they brought a big tractor trailer out that was designed as a chapel for truck drivers. And they opened the side of the bed up, and there was a whole platform with a pulpit that came out and big screens that came up on either side. I thought, man, you folks have really refined this.
1: That's right. And of course, you were using an FM translator, and that's how you were. People to just tune in on their car radios then yes, to the signal do. that you designated, and so they could follow along as you were preaching. And of course, I love that you didn't know how it was going to turn out when you first started it, from what a friend tells me. But boy, it really uh, caught fire right there at your own church that you had to. Ma- how many services did you have on Easter Sunday?
2: We I did a total of 10 services.
1: Oh, my. <laughs>
2: but we did six on Sunday. No, we did seven because we do a streaming service inside the building for people that watch live stream. Then, you know, I'm on uh, Salem Media across the state of Ohio on Sunday for an hour. And so then we did that, and then we did the services, and then we did a Good Friday service as well. On Online, we handed out distributed about a 1,000 to 1,200 communion cups the week before, and had everyone take them home for disposable communion, and then Friday evening we all had communion together.
1: Wonderful. Online. Well, let me ask you this, then, as we've gone a number of weeks now, uh, almost eight weeks into this thing now, and heading into May 3rd, and of course it'll be the first week of May next week, Sunday will be May 3rd, uh, some are calling for Open Church Sunday, but with cautions and precautions, and so there's a variety. Somebody says, well, how should we go about doing this? Well, it's as varied as there are denominations and or churches. Uh, there's a variety of uh, responses, and people are uh, taking a, a lot of different precautions uh, and going forward. Tell me what you're doing on Sunday. Anything different? You're going to well, continue with the drive-in?
2: Yeah, we're going to be late to the party and doing anything different uh, Between our uh, online and our parking lot, people come in and go. We're we're seeing about eighty to eighty five percent of our congregation, our constituency, in services, and uh, our finances are doing incredibly well. Our we do a, a broadcasting every day for either children or youth or adults, and until we see how everything's landing, we're just going to continue on. That's not right for everyone. But um, it's working well for us, and I just want to, even though the other one may have been pioneering, on this one, I just want to wait and see how things go.
3: Because
1: Mm.
2: we do have a a number of older people, and I want to be very careful with that.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Pastor Phil Fulton, when I preached at your church some months ago, I don't think that there wasn't a hand that didn't shake mine as I was visiting with you and preaching that Sunday, but that's not how things are now during COVID-19 and social distancing. Tell me what you're doing at your church.
3: One of the hardest things for me is not hugging people's necks and shaking their (laughs) hands and going out to the cars. Uh, The first couple weeks we learned live streaming, and then Easter Sunday we decided we'd do drive-in service, and we had the parking lot full. And we also live-streamed at the same time. And then on Sunday evening, we do a live-stream uh, only. Uh, we are doing that, and on Wednesday evening, we live-stream a teaching. And so that's how we've been flowing. I also, uh, Saturday, I had a drive-in wedding. Uh, the young lady and young man, they Saturday had to be the day. They had to get married on that day, so... Uh, we pulled in a farm wagon. We got steps up to it, uh, had cars parked clear around, and had a drive-in wedding, and everything went really well. Aww. And uh, we do have a radio transmitter. We have it set up uh, so people can hear and do that. This uh, opening of the church, um, we, we will still do the drive-in and live stream Sunday morning and the live stream a Sunday evening. It yeah. is getting very hard for me uh, to get used to all this. I'm 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 wanting to open up the church, but I I am uh, like the other brother. I don't want to push the envelope. Yes, and really open it up before we should. Also, in our we we have thought about having a. An outside service, putting up chairs, having them spaced, having a social distancing, and having an outside service uh, doing that. Or, of course, you know, we've got the large um, fellowship hall, and we we can really do a service there and, and uh, set chairs far enough apart and get everything set up there so... Um, when it comes to the 10th or the 17th, I'm not exactly sure, but uh, we we really are wanting to get really back open again, but I I try to adhere to what the governor's saying.
1: Well, I've enjoyed your online um, little vignette uh, there where you and your wife will sing a song and you'll read a, a portion of scripture, and my wife and I have been watching that the last few weeks. We've really enjoyed that, so thank well, you.
3: thank you. I appreciate that. We try to do that once a week also.
1: Well, it's it's been wonderful to hear it. Well, listen, uh, these are great ideas, and I think that we are cautious. The governor wants to open things back up, and the last thing he wants to see is that that uh, curve spike. And, of course, uh, he's still monitoring things as they're going. And uh, the great thing about Governor DeWine is that he has not ordered the church. He has given strong guidance. Other states have not been so fortunate. There's been, uh, in fact, Matt uh, Staver of Liberty Council was on this program last week. When he's saying Open the Church Sunday, he's not saying to be recklessly just pack everybody into a building. And he he spelled that out on the program. I was glad to hear that because he is saying, look, Seniors probably should not be coming back yet. Others should be wearing masks or gloves and keeping uh, social distancing. But he said, we got to keep the body of Christ gathered, however that takes place. Of course, he's dealing with things where arrest of a pastor down there in Orlando, uh, the Kentucky governor actually forbidding even uh, drive-up services like we're practicing here in Ohio. So there's been a number of civil liberty uh, challenges across the country, so that's why he put out the alert, but uh, not with out the precautions that we should all be taking. And with that, I'm going to go to my brother and friend, John Coates, Pastor Coates. Uh, Pastor, you were designated by the governor to sit on a special council to uh, to address concerns within the black community because they are seeing a higher rate of infections, even here in the state of Ohio. Explain that to us.
0: Most, most definitely. Um, African Americans are more susceptible to contracting uh, COVID-19 because of underlying health conditions. Now, these are underlying health conditions that have been affecting uh, the black community for at least 50 or 60 years. Where um, six years ago, we were um, uh, dying at, at, at high rates from heart disease, cancer, stroke, um, um, diabetes, liver disease, kidney disease. And these are the same um, of, uh, the issues that we're having now. And, of course, a weakened immune system makes you more susceptible to um, not only contracting COVID-19, but having a difficult time of recovering um, from it. So as the State Department of Health began to address the situation and to send messages out to the black community, um, that they wanted to make sure that there were black people at the table. To um, talk about language that we're using, um, to talk about the the, um, the distribution methods in order to um, to have a compelling message and um, compelling methods sent out to the um, to the black community. So I'm honored to serve on that um, committee with several other individuals from throughout the state, and um, and hopefully we'll be able to um, get that message across to um, um, to many of our people.
1: Well, and congratulations uh, for the governor's appointment on that commission, and I think uh, you shared some numbers with me yesterday that were alarming to me, and I did not know. I do have four healthcare workers in my family, two RNs, a nurse practitioner and a paramedic who keep me up to speed on some of the things that are happening. Uh, All four have had contact with COVID-19 patients uh, in some fashion over the last number of weeks, and uh, of course, they've been monitoring, uh, you know, what's been happening in the hospitals in healthcare centers. But tell us the numbers uh, that you uh, shared with me yesterday. They were quite alarming. If uh, the African-American population makes up 12% of the Ohio population, what is the infection rate right now in the uh, black community?
0: The infection rate is around 21%. And again, as you mentioned, we make up 12% of the population, but our infection rate is at 21%. Our death rate, as it relates to COVID, is somewhere around 14% right now. We expect that to possibly increase oh because my. aggregating that the, the numbers have been have been difficult because they're coming in from 88 counties, of course. And uh, when someone dies, either the coroner gets the body or a funeral home gets the body, and those death certificates have to be processed and and then sent back in, and um and then the the state is able to then um, get the information out of off of those certificates and then put them into into silos so that we have a good idea as to what's going on and where it's happening. And there's areas of the state that we consider to be hotspots because people are, are are living in more dense areas. They're living on top of each other. And uh, we have to make sure that those individuals that they really – um, uh, uh, understand and adhere to the um, the social distancing um, guidelines that have been
1: given. Well, and it is all about messaging and, and getting information. We can always assume, of course, there's the daily radio broadcast, uh, but if you're not tuned into that station, you're listening to a music station, you may not hear the Governor's uh, daily press briefing, or if you're not watching online. I mean, that's what we kind of do as policy wonks. We watch this stuff. Uh, but that's not, everybody's not doing that. Uh, Pastor Carl, your thoughts on that,
2: uh, I'm so sorry, Chris. I missed that last statement. Say well, it again.
1: Yeah, just that uh, you know, the messaging of uh, the social distancing and the things we the precautions that we need to be taking. You know, we would think that everybody's been inundated with an overload of information, but that's not true. And as Pastor Coates has oh, no. said, in the African American community, the messaging may not have been getting out all these weeks. Your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, well, and if it hasn't been. Uh, when people, for an example, in our location, when they come in the parking lot, on that FM broadcaster, we talk about social distancing. Every two and a half minutes, it repeats itself. With regard to coming into using the restroom, we have only 10 or less people in the building at one time. Mm. And we you know, say, ask everyone, please stay in your car. Please keep the social distancing. I don't, I don't think it's a message you can repeat too often. We only get one shot at this, you know, to do it. And, And quite frankly, in my church, we've been affected by COVID 19. So I take it
0: seriously.
1: Yes. Well, that's right, and uh, it is affecting lives, and we've seen the numbers here in Ohio. And, of course, they're posted up uh, by the Ohio Department of Health, and on the Ohio Christian Alliance website for the last uh, eight weeks, we have had the links to the Ohio Department of Health, the daily uh, press briefing from the Ohio Channel, uh, that you can go to the Ohio Christian Alliance website and click on those links at 2 p.m., and then each day uh, the numbers are updated as far as infections, the ICU admissions, and unfortunately, uh, those who have passed away due to COVID nineteen complications, Pastor Phil Fulton, your congregation, if uh, they in their in your area down there in Southeast Ohio, has that been uh, the message has gotten out to the folks?
3: Yes, it's it's gotten out, and we've repeated that. But fortunately, we are in a rural area. We've had a total of three cases in Adams County, and they've all come from the workplace, which was out of the county. All three of those are back in the workforce now. They're back at work, and we have had no occurrences of the COVID nineteen. So we have been very, very fortunate here in our area. And of course, I keep up on the on the news, your website, and uh, all of your emails. I, I keep up with that. We have we tell our people, you know, when they come in you know, social distancing and try to keep the information out there and and uh, keep them up, up to date on what's going on.
1: You know, as the governor has said, and if we look back 100 years ago with the Spanish flu pandemic, it actually came in two waves. Mm-hmm. And many of the professionals are talking about that we might have, even if we are starting to see a lessening of the curve now. We go into summer with the warmer months, and uh, we might see really a flattening of the infections, but they're saying there might be a resurgence of this in the fall, and that's one thing we need to be praying about. We need to be praying for our nation right now. It's a very serious time. I've never seen the kind of... um, Draconian actions by government that I've seen in, you know in my my years uh, and of right. course you have to go back to a hundred years ago to where these kinds of things were being implemented. Thankfully, we have the heart of a governor who listens to people. I mean even those the, the ones who are protesting, and I, I agree with protesting. I think it's important. I'm not protesting. I have a line with the governor, and I think he's not been tone-deaf. I think he's been listening. And so from one day to the next, he'll adjust his um, directives according to what he's hearing from uh, uh, constituents in Ohioans. Uh, Pastor Frank, what's your thoughts on that?
2: Well, uh, I think that, you know, as we go through the summer and get ready for the fall, I don't think it's going to be a normal summer at all. We've already canceled our vacation Bible schools. We've canceled all of our summer camps. We've canceled two mission trips. Um, and, uh, you know, we have a school here. We have over 400 students. And we're contemplating starting the fall with online education. Just not knowing, but being prepared. Hoping we'll be back in the building and that and we'll have really great results. But we don't know.
1: Pastor Coates, as uh, the time goes on here and you're just starting with this committee, what do you hope to achieve? And, and Pastor Frank was talking about a church you wanted to give us an update on. we got just a few minutes left. What's uh, happening there?
0: Well, one um, of my sister churches, the Word Church of God in Christ, I pastored Metropolitan Church of God in Christ, and we, we pre-record our messages and then send them out to our members. But the Word Church has followed Pastor Frank's lead and have um, gone to the drive-in church service, which has been overwhelmingly successful for them. And I believe that, that Pastor um, Eddie Parker and him, they converse back and forth to make sure that how's this working out, what can be done better. And that's what we're supposed to do, is consult with one another to make sure that what we do, that we perfect it in the process. It's not going to be perfect the first time, but as we go on and do things that it will do. I'm also president of the Local Ministerial Alliance, and um, other churches have begun to do the same thing. Driving church is good. You're safe within the encapsulation of your automobile, and um, and you can worship God inside of your car and steal feel the communion of, of, of fellow believers as, as well. On the um, minority strike force, strike force means that you're addressing an immediate situation, not necessarily a long-term situation, even though it may have long-term effects. We hope to provide greater sensitivity, intricate information about our community that nobody has except for really the people that uh, work in our community day in and day out. And um, and, 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 and hopefully that will be of help to the State Department of of, of Health as we distribute testing, more testing, more testing in in areas, as well as um, providing equipment Um, PPE equipment, personal protection um, equipment
1: to people to wear. And the governor announced that help is on the way as they've just ordered a lot of that for our state, so that's good news. Gentlemen, I want to thank you. Pastors, uh, God bless you all for your work in ministry, and I I believe that God's going to send a revival at this time, and this is a great time for people to get closer to the Lord and for Him to send down His showers of blessing upon His church. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Frank. Thank you, you, Pastor John and Pastor Coates. God bless you all. Well, stick with us on the other side. We're going to talk to our State Attorney General, Dave Yost, about liberty issues and a court case about Planned Parenthood. You don't want to miss that. Stay, Stay tuned.
2: Hello, I'm Ohio Governor Mike DeWine. We need all Ohioans to help us slow the spread of the coronavirus. For the most up-to-date information, please visit our website at coronavirus.ohio.gov or call 1-833-4-ASK-ODH seven days a week.
4: Furnished by Governor Mike DeWine, aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station.
1: And we're back, and I want to thank our uh, pastors' panels for sharing their unique ways of how they're going to continue gathering, yet uh, taking precautions, practicing social distancing, and helping to lessen the curve here in Ohio. And the churches have done a great job. Governor DeWine has said so. In fact, he's applauded the churches for the creative ways in which they have found to still congregate, stay in touch and minister to their communities with us on the phone is state attorney general dave yost and of course uh uh, david is our attorney general and he's busy uh in the ag's office david welcome to the program chris thanks
5: and i was pleased to hear the pastors talking about reopening and uh you know all the things that they've done in the past and as we're looking forward I actually will be participating in a call with the Governing Council in my church tomorrow night to discuss these issues, and uh, one of the points that I think it's important for the church to make is while we need to have social distancing and be innovative in the ways that we protect each other, if we really believe that... uh, this world is not our home; that we are citizens of another place. It's really important that we act on those beliefs. Mm. If you can go to, uh, if you can go to work uh, with a mask uh, and socially distant, if you can go to Home Depot with a mask and staying six feet apart, we surely can, as God's people, gather together.
1: Mm. that's right and you know i want to say by the way we've enjoyed some of the videos that you put up personally from your home with your family of course your musical and your wife and actually your daughter what a beautiful voice she has and my wife and i enjoyed that little audition she was doing for i think a presentation she was going to be giving and uh, you were playing the piano and she was singing that was really special we enjoyed that very much
5: you're very kind thank you um but I am here to talk about a couple of things that I think are interest to you. Um, in my official life as uh, the Attorney General of Ohio.
4: Well,
1: that's right. We were talking to the mind. pastors about, you know, that in Ohio we've been fortunate because we have a governor who has extended to the Church. He's not ordered the Church, but he has given strong guidance that uh, churches have followed, and he's applauded the Church for the creative ways that they've found to uh, practice social distancing, help to lessen the curve, and uh, actually f- still minister the communities and stay connected. And uh, But in other areas, like in Kentucky or in Florida and Mississippi, I actually had uh, Matt Staver of Liberty Council on with me last week who advocates for First Amendment issues, and he's talking about some of the civil liberty violations of local authorities who are over-policing churches. And uh, the governor of Kentucky, of course, has found himself in court because he was actually ordering the state police to tra- uh, track uh, congregants that were going to a drive-in service and then to order them into 14 days of uh, quarantine and the very thing that we're practicing here in Ohio, staying in our cars and social distancing. And so it's been kind of a hodgepodge of views from some authorities in other states. Thankfully, we've not had that here. Although we did have one county prosecutor say some pretty outrageous things that, that came up on our radar down in Hamilton County. Uh, the prosecutor there said if he was governor, he said the first, uh, 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 people that the church would, members would meet would be the National Guard. And he went on to say about how you don't need to do this and that. And so we, we did shoot off a letter to him asking him for to clarify and to offer an apology, because actually we thought that to be quite threatening, actually, uh, for a county prosecutor to say something like that. Uh, David, do you have any thoughts on that?
5: Well, you know, I know I've known Joe for years, and he's a great prosecutor. He puts bad guys away, he fights for justice, but he and I don't agree on this one. Um, Look, for starters, there's no pandemic emergency to the first amendment uh, exception. Uh, You know, the the church is protected by the constitution in a way that a a hobby store or a landscaping business is not. Um, And beyond that, uh, the these images, these stories coming out of other states are just horrific. I can't believe that we are looking at this happening in the United States of America. It was it literally born out of the idea that the government doesn't get to mess with the Church. Yes. Um, so I, I think some of these cases are likely to uh, arrive at the Supreme Court. And uh, frankly, on the basis of the uh, existing law, I think that the Supreme Court would probably, if it had this issue before its day, always a dangerous thing to predict what the Supreme Court's going to do. Sure. Uh, based on the existing precedent, uh, I think a state may be able to require, um, you know, a maximum capacity. They might be able to require masks uh, at church or social distancing, but they sure can't tell uh, the church that they can't meet.
1: Well, that's right. And you know, we were thankful that uh, U.S. Attorney uh Uh, General Bill Barr issued a statement uh, last week reviewing civil liberty violations by local authorities against churches and houses of worship, and he was of the same sentiment you are. And so, you know, there were those who took out, you know, really draconian measures, like down in Mississippi where the mayor, uh, when they had a drive-in service, uh, had the police go out and uh, order tickets to every congregant at $500 just for attending the drive-in service. So, you know, it's like, I'm thinking of Pastor Carl that was just touting about, it. he had uh, 11 uh, services on Easter Sunday, the parking lot was packed repeatedly, you know, so I, you know, thankfully that's not happening here in Ohio, but unfortunately it is, ha- has happened in other places. Maybe it's begin to uh, come away from that now that the Attorney General has weighed in and Uh, First Amendment constitutional logic has begun to play out. But again, Liberty Council seems to be very busy uh, going around the country. So we're and again, you know, you're the attorney general. You can't uh, know what any local authority or police or sheriff may do in a given situation or a health department with policing authorities. So we've asked our contacts to let us know if there is uh, an issue, and especially as we go into May 3rd, where uh, some churches will start opening back up, although they'll be taking precautions of face masks, gloves, uh, hand sanitizer, social distancing. Most pastors I talk to are practicing that in some fashion, and or others who are slowly going back. It may not be May 3rd, but it will be deeper into May. Your thoughts on that?
5: You know, this is something for each uh, congregation to assess for itself. In my church, for example, uh, we have a separate children's ministry called Joyland, and um, you know, there's simply no way to do that. Uh, You you can't socially uh, uh, separate Um, (laughs) six-year-olds. So, yeah, I think I think that. You know, each congregation has to look at their form of worship and their facilities and make decisions that are right for them. But that's the way it should be. Uh, And we don't need the governor, uh, and fortunately the governor is not, uh, we don't need the government making one-size-fits-all rules and applying it to First Amendment-protected activities, which I want to point out, and I imagine you've said this over and over again, but Governor DeWine's order specifically exempts uh, any uh, First Amendment activities, so even though he has said, I'd rather you didn't meet in person, he did not ban it. If if people wanted to continue in Ohio yes. uh, congregating, they were permitted to do so lawfully.
1: Yep. And so that's what we're getting from churches, and like your church is going to be meeting in the next day or two uh, to talk about what your plans are going forward into May and June. And I talked to another pastor down in Ashland, I thought he may have uh, made a decision. He said, we're not meeting until tonight. So, you know, it's. Um, I think everyone took it very seriously. They understood the importance of this, that COVID-19 was serious. That it was killing people, uh, you know, that it was infecting people, and it was uh, inf- affecting a lot of communities, and they wanted to be part of the solution, not the, you know, not the problem. So churches took that seriously, and they continue to take it seriously. We'll be monitoring in the event that uh, some local authority, like a sheriff or, like I said, a health department or any kind of county official. Uh, seems to come down extra hard on a local congregation. We'll will know that, and in fact, we'll probably pass along to your office just so that you're aware of it. Um, uh, Attorney General uh, Yost. yep. So, but uh, thankfully, that's not happened here in Ohio. We're thankful for that. Indeed. Well, listen. Uh, the other big issue that has come up during the COVID nineteen shutdown, of course, is the continued operation of abortion clinics at Planned Parenthood. People were asking, it's like, I can't go to my doctor, I can't do my elective surgery, I can't go to the dentist, but why is this abortion clinic open? Isn't that part of, you know, uh, know, the COVID-19 shutdown? And that really began to be a big issue. Tell us a little bit about what happened with your order that went out and then the lawsuit that followed.
5: Well, I, I was so frustrated, uh, frankly. We got reports in uh, shortly at within the it, so that I think the order came out on like a Thursday, maybe, on the elective surgeries, and by that weekend, um, we had reports coming to our office that abortion clinics were still operating full, what appeared to be full capacity, and so we went to the health department and alerted them to this, uh, and they said, well, elective surgery is elective surgery, and, you know, that there aren't exceptions. So my office sent them a cease and desist letter and said, you know, stop doing this. And they sent us back a letter that um, said, okay, we're compliant, we're complying, but then in, out of the other side of their mouth to the media they didn't put this in a letter to my office, they said, well, we think abortion is always an essential medical procedure, uh, an essential uh, surgical procedure. So, uh, you know, it doesn't apply to us. That's why they thought they were in, uh,
4: in compliance.
5: Uh, well, the we passed that information along to the health department, and it's my understanding that uh, health department surveyors showed up to gather uh, information uh, to see exactly what was happening. And they went straight to a federal judge uh, asking for a restraining order. Um, The restraining order was issued. Uh, We immediately appealed to the Sixth Circuit, and the judge uh, issued a second order that basically said, well, we believe, you know it, 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 we I agree, said the judge with the state's reading of the order, and my order doesn't reach their reading. So it all got very uh, complicated. But the Sixth Circuit said, well, the judge says that what you say, the order says, that he agrees that that's enforceable. So we're not going to do anything. goes back uh and then it, you know he set it for briefs which were provided it went decisional and last late last week uh he put on an order basically extending uh his first order um now the next enforcement step would be to uh, either try to make an appeal uh or to since he says that his order doesn't reach an enforcement on an an elective abortion to seek uh, enforcement against a clinic, but of course the uh, governor has lifted the order regarding uh, uh, elective surgeries uh, effective tomorrow. So uh, basically the federal court ran out of the clock on us and
1: um, well, and I mean, we there was no accountability. Yeah, the, and so uh, it's a moot point at this. Clinic. Yeah, it's a moot point at this point until uh, the Supreme Court strikes down Roe v. Wade, which uh, uh, cases are pending before the court that are making their way up, and it very well may mean just that that it goes back to the states, and Ohio would be a state that would outlaw abortion, uh, given that we have a heartbeat bill that passed in this state. Uh, with us on the phone is Attorney General Dave Yost, and uh, Attorney General, we want to thank you for what you're doing. We want to thank you for your stalwart watchman about the First Amendment and uh, the practicing of uh, religion in our uh, state, and we'll let you know if there's any problems on the local level, but uh, it looks like uh, so far everybody has understood that, that the governor's not ordered it, and no local authorities have been trying to infringe on the rights of uh, congregants to gather and practice. Their First Amendment rights. We want to thank you for that, and also thank you for taking that case on with Planned Parenthood uh, to trying to save babies during the COVID nineteen shutdown. Uh, those are all fine efforts. We really applaud you on that.
5: I appreciate uh, the Christian Alliance's work on uh, the Roosevelt D Day Prayer and. Uh uh, you should be very proud of your leadership and the victory that that represents.
1: Well, thank you, David. We appreciate it very much. We'll have you back on. You're doing so much work at your office. Give the folks the the uh, web address again so they can follow your work.
5: Uh, OhioAttorneyGeneral.gov.
1: Very good. God bless you, my friend. Thank you so much for stopping by today on News & Focus. Good to talk to you. All right. We'll be right back on the other side with some closing thoughts. Don't go away.
2: Almighty God We need all Ohioans to help us slow the spread of the coronavirus. For the most up-to-date information, please visit our website at coronavirus.ohio.gov or call 1-833-4-ASK-ODH
0: seven days a week.
4: Furnished by Governor Mike DeWine, aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station.
1: Next week will be the National Day of Prayer, and that will be Thursday, May 7th, and we want to encourage you to join into prayer, to pray for our president, pray for those who serve us in his administration, pray for Congress, the U.S. Supreme Court, all those who serve us in government. The Bible says to pray for all those in authority, for kings, for magistrates, for for governors, for all those who serve us. And that's what we're to do. Timothy says that, uh, the Apostle Paul has written to Timothy. And so we're to pray, we're to intercede for them. Let's pray for revival for America. This is a time in which many people are now sober, they're somber, uh, but not all. And there still is an arrogance and a pride in this generation. I want to take you back 40 years ago with me this day, this uh, uh. program is actually taped on Wednesday, so it's April the 29th. Uh, Forty years ago in 1980, there was a large mass gathering in Washington, D.C. It was called Washington for Jesus. That was 40 years ago today. I was there. About a half a million Christians from all over the country gathered together to fast, to pray, and to seek God's face that he might uh, forestall the judgment upon our country. And next week, we're going to have a special program, and we're going to talk about the National Day of Prayer. And I'm going, to pray for you, I'm going to play for you audio from that time, 40 years ago. And you'll hear from the speakers of Adrian Rogers, from Pat Robertson, from Bill Bright. Some of those who have gone on are no longer with us. But the, the clarion call that went out that day, and truly, there was no vending. There was no vendors. There was nobody selling sandwiches or drinks or anything like that, folks. From six in the morning till six at night, God's people came to fast, to pray, to humble themselves, and then God broke through that day. The night before it was raining, there was at RFK Stadium a youth concert that night. Second chapter of Acts, Honey Tree, and other artists were there. Nikki Cruz gave the message, and uh, it was a wonderful, powerful time, and the next day it rained all through the night. And the next morning when we gathered together at 5.30 to start to pray at 6, and we were just praying and on our faces on the lawn in the mall in Washington, God began to break through and hear our prayer. We prayed for America. We prayed in repentance of sin. The Bible says in Second Chronicles 7.14, "'If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways,' Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. God is looking for a generation that will seek him with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. In Isaiah 55 and verse 6, it says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God... For he will abundantly pardon. God will forgive you, my friend, but you have to call upon him. You know, you don't have to. We've been talking about how the church is going to find creative ways to gather. Some are going to be going to drive in services, others, small groups, or online. Listen, all it is required is that you humble yourself and call upon him and ask him to save you, and he will. I once talked to a sister in the Lord, and she was just saying that she, she was almost in an accident. She called out and said, God, save me. Jesus, save me. And he did. He, she said at that moment, her life was changed. And, you know, because there was more in it about just that moment in that car accident, she was literally giving her heart over to God, to Christ. Have you done that yet? You see, you can't do it in just by forms of religion or practicing religion. In fact, those were the kinds of things that Jesus at times in his day rebuked the Pharisees and Sadducees, because they practiced those things, but their heart was far from God. You know, you, your, your heart can be drawn towards the Lord wherever you're at. You could be in a basement, you'd be on a roof, you'd be in a car, you'd be on the construction site, doesn't matter. What matters is the heart, the throne, the altar of your heart as you draw close to God. That's what, that's what makes the difference. And so... We ask you to do that, to call upon Him. Our whole nation needs to call upon Him at this time. And people of God need to repent of their sins, and need to pray. And in family units, right now, as we're gathered together, we need to do that, return back to the Bible hour, you know, the family altar, to open up the Scriptures. You know, it's just a book until God breathes His Spirit on it and makes those words alive to you, my friend, that the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of sunder of soul and spirit and of the joints of marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intent of the heart. You know, the Word of God will quicken you. Let it speak to you. So if you have a Bible at home, you haven't ever opened it, or long ago, or maybe somebody gave it to you, you need to just pray a prayer, open that Bible up, and ask God to speak to you. And as we enter into this next week, it's not just on the individual level, not just on the corporate level, but on the national level, God is calling his people to repentance. And that's what we're going to talk about next week. We're going to talk about revival in the land. We're going to talk about the National Day of Prayer, which is going to be different this time. We normally gather at courthouses and gazebos and on courthouse steps all across the country in Washington. Uh, I've gone to Washington, D.C. a number of times where there's the Bible reading on the steps of the U.S. Capitol, and there's, uh, of course, congregations, and there's a, a White House observance. It's going to be a little different next week, but the National Day of Prayer is still going to go forward, and as God's people, we're going to need to really seek His face at this time. During this COVID-19 world pandemic, God is the only one that can lead us out from this, folks. And we got to seek Him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Well, if you missed any of today's program, you want to catch it later and share it with a friend, you could do that at our website at Ohio Christian Alliance. Just Google that. If you'd like to make a contribution to keep news and focus on the air, uh, you could do that too. And any amount of donation would be thankful. Uh, we'd be appreciative of it. Again, that's at OhioCA.org or just Google Ohio Christian Alliance. God bless you, and we'll see you next week for the National Day of Prayer special program. God bless.
0: You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's OhioCA.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.